Hey, you're listening to Clumsy Theosis, a Catholic podcast that explores topics within the Catholic faith to help us deepen our spiritual lives, own our relationship with the Lord, and strengthen His church. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Clumsy Theosis podcast. I am so jazzed that you are here today. The Clumsy Theosis podcast is a 100% listener-supported show, by the way. Meaning, listeners like yourself make this show possible by your donations. And if you have felt any benefit in your life because of this show, please consider donating by visiting clumsytheosis.net and clicking the word donate in the menu. If you don't know who I am, my name is Rochelle Lucero and I'm the host. I also send out a weekly email with the most recent episode as well as insider information. So jump on that list, never miss an episode, never miss an update there is a link for you down in the show notes. Now, the other day, I was having a nice chat with a friend of mine about some of the things that were weighing on her heart. And when she finished telling me all that was going on, she says, well, I'll just carry my cross. And me being fired up for my friend and the pain that she was going through, I said, wait, that is not your cross. And then I started to explain to her the correct way to understand the saying to carry your cross. And you know, the rest of the day, I thought about that conversation because something about what I said to her wasn't sitting right with me. And so I I was thinking about it and I realized, you know what? I think what I told her was wrong. And so of course I went and did a little bit of research and I was like, oh my gosh, I totally misinformed her. I was thinking that I was 100% right only to find out, nope, I was not. So, in my effort to keep you from making the same mistake, I want to explain to you what it really and truly means this time. I'm for I'm for sure. I'm for sure this time. What it really and truly means to quote carry your cross, or sometimes people say to take up your cross. And please believe I have done my research for you. So this is this is actually what it's supposed to mean. So where does this saying even come from? Well, it comes from scripture. And one of the places is in Matthew's gospel, chapter 16. It's one of those stories that is told in multiple places, and this is one of them. Okay, so starting in verse 24, we read, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, after reading about the passion of our Lord in scripture, Or if you've ever watched the movie, The Passion of Christ by Mel Gibson, you and I, we can get some pretty gnarly images in our minds about carrying the cross that would make any sane person run from the idea of taking up their cross, even if it's only metaphorical. So why, why would someone who we might consider sane, you know, why would a sane person, the people that we know and love and the people throughout history, why would men and women, why would they willingly take up their cross? Why is this part of our faith? Well, I love what JP2 says. He says, when the cross is embraced, it becomes a sign of love and of total self-giving. To carry it behind Christ means to be united with him in offering the greatest proof of love. Oh, that sounds so beautiful. All right, let's take a moment and look at the context of that scripture. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says to them, if you want to come after me, meaning if you want to learn from me if you want me to teach you. In other words, if you want to be my disciple, you have to do three things. One, 
deny yourself, two, take up your cross, and three, follow me. This applies to us today as well if we want to be disciples of Jesus. Now, when it comes to our purposes of understanding the phrase to carry your cross or to take up your cross, it implies that the first and third things are done, right? So we're denying ourselves and we're following Jesus, right? We're doing things for Jesus. But I want to go and talk a tiny bit about denying ourselves first before we get into the taking up your cross bit. Okay, so to deny yourself is not about making yourself suffer. It's not about God making you suffer either. It's not about denying yourself all of those essentials in life, you know, maybe like the desert monks or something. That is a special call to monasticism to certain specific religious orders. That is not for everyone. Whereas the self-denial that Jesus is talking about here, that is for everyone. So what he's saying is, To deny yourself is to choose God's will over your own. Now, sometimes both your will and God's will, they're going to match up. And that is so awesome when it does. It feels so great. You get the desires of your heart and then you're in God's will, which is an amazing place to be. It's a win-win, right? Actually, it's a win-win-win because when you are in God's will, you're actually benefiting the rest of the world. Just saying. But the self-denial part comes in when our will does not match up with God's. That's when Jesus says for us to deny our will in order to follow the Father's will for us. So here's a little bit of a pro tip. This is one I have yet to master, but one day I have life goals. This is one of them. The more that you grow in communion with God, the more often his will and your will will match up. That is actually a constant prayer of mine. Lord, make my will like yours because I, I can be quite strong-willed. And I loathe those initial stages of choosing God's will over my own desires because in the beginning, it can be a little bit painful to deny myself that thing that I want and choose what God wants for me. But I do it because I have seen time and time again, in the end, I'm always so much happier with God's plans for me. And plus, I mean, I want to do God's will, but let's be real here, people. (laughs) I want to avoid as much of that uncomfortableness as possible. And like I said, God's plans for me are always like infinity times better than mine. And that makes me even more confident about how things will play out in the next life. Because sometimes following God's will in this life, we don't really get to see the fruit that will come of it, but we will always get to see the fruit that will come in the next life. I have total confidence in that. So now I want to get to the cross. Okay. In Jesus's day, the cross was seen as an instrument of Roman execution. It was seen as shameful, and in the Jewish culture, it was seen as a curse. But as Jesus does, he turns everything upside down. He turns everything on its head, including the cross, and well, probably, most noticeably, the cross. So let me tell you about what the cross is by first telling you what the cross is not. So I'm going to paraphrase JP2 here. The cross is not about advocating mortification and denial. Now, some people have reduced the cross to this need to endure the big and the small tribulations in life patiently. Yes, that can happen, but that's not what the cross is primarily about. And the cross is definitely not about exaltation of pain as a means of pleasing God. JP2 says that we cannot speak about the cross without considering God's love for us because, now pay attention to this, the cross is a sign of love and of total self-giving and the cross, 
our crosses are for the purpose of our sanctification, which would be our holiness, which would be our process of theosis. Okay, so the cross is a sign of love and total self-giving, and its purpose is our sanctification. Jesus gave himself as a gift of love for us on the cross, and so we are supposed to be doing the same thing on our crosses for God and for neighbor. Now, as I say that, I'm hearing like some familiar bells ringing in my head, you know, that's a lot like the teaching of the new commandments that Jesus gives us in scripture, where he says we are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, might, and soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. All of the scriptures are interrelated. So remember this connection. Now, the crosses in our lives, they are tailor-made for us. You know, they're very specific for us. Again, because their purpose is to sanctify us. What might seem like a tiny cross to you might seem like a huge cross for me or vice versa. And so we don't ever judge the cross in someone else's life, okay? That's just bad form. So if the cross is a sign of love and total self-giving with the purpose of making us holier, helping us on our process of theosis, what what do we practically see in our everyday lives? when we look at our crosses. Well, our crosses can take two forms. Our chosen crosses, and then the second form are undesirable slash sometimes unavoidable crosses. So chosen crosses, your vocation is a super easy example of this because your vocation is supposed to help sanctify you. It's supposed to be a means of your theosis, right? Whether you're married, single, you're in religious life, if you're a student, whatever, right? When you choose any of these vocations, you said yes to them. And when you said yes to the vocation, you were also choosing and saying yes to all of their requirements. So married people, when you said yes to getting married, when you made your vows, you made wedding vows, right? Those are requirements. Single people, when they said yes to living as single people, they said yes to living pure lives of abstinence, among many other things, right? And religious. They said yes to their vows or their promises. And if someone is a student, they said yes to showing up to class on time and following their teacher's rubrics, right? These are the requirements for these vocations in life that they said yes to when they said yes to their overall vocation, right? And these are just some very, very basic examples. Other examples are fasting and penance, right? You choose to do these things. You choose to take them on, even if they're assigned by a priest or by a spiritual director. You choose to say yes to them. The second type of cross, an undesirable and sometimes unavoidable cross, we seem to have so many more of these than chosen crosses. These are crosses in your lives that you didn't choose and you don't want. And if you had it your way, you would make them go away. The best example of this type of cross is illness and loss. Another example is trauma, being a victim of something that left scars or wounds. Other examples that we deal with are maybe having like a crappy boss or teacher, or you might have an old car that always seems to have something wrong with it, like mine. See how our crosses can run the gamut here. I want to make a clarification though before I go any further. God does not will or put these undesirable, unavoidable crosses in our lives, right? He doesn't put bad things and bad people in our lives to do bad things. He doesn't give them to us because he's like, you need this type of a cross in your life. No. But God, however, he does allow them in our lives. He does allow them to happen to us 
And the only reason he would ever do that is because God knows that something greater will come out of it. You will become much more glorious. I don't know if that's proper English. You will become more glorious because of that cross in your life. Think of a lump of coal that becomes a brilliant diamond, but only, only after going, undergoing tremendous pressure. So how do we carry our crosses? Okay, well, when it comes to our chosen crosses, we continue to say yes to them by saying yes to all of their requirements. We adjust our lives around them to make them priorities. And every time we do this, every time we say yes to them, we are being sanctified more and more. We're moving further along in our process of theosis. For those undesirable crosses, we say yes to those ones, but we do it in a different way. Saying yes to those type of crosses doesn't mean that you just roll over and take it, you know, whatever's going on in your life that you don't want there. That's not what it means. To say yes to them is to face them. You know, if it's an illness, you follow your doctor's advice. You do what's required of you. You know, you educate yourself about your situation. You change your lifestyle to help improve your, your situation. If it's a life trauma, you seek healing you know, you do that through the church and through medical professionals. You, if you have a horrible boss, you take this time to beef up your resume, get some letters of recommendation, maybe take some classes, right? You, you don't like your situation, but you're looking to change it. You're doing what you can to change it. If you have a dumpy old car like I do, you keep some jumper cables handy and you get some good roadside assistance with a nice towing plan, okay? Now, Yes, I'm making light of this last cross here, but you know, any cross, we can look at it in a very negative way, or we can look at it knowing that God is triumphant and that as long as we cooperate with his grace, we are being sanctified and things in this life will change. And if they don't, we will definitely see the fruit of this cross in the next life because With this type of cross, we are given a very special invitation to enter into the mystery of the cross and to unite any suffering or woundedness that we may be experiencing with Jesus on the cross. Doing this is not only a benefit to ourselves, but also to our neighbors. I like what Henry Nouwen says about this. Henry Nouwen is a Catholic priest and author, among many other things, and he says that nobody escapes being wounded. We are all wounded people, whether physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually. The main question is, how can we put our woundedness in the service of others? And the answer is through love. And that can be just learning how to be more compassionate, learning how to listen to people because we know what it's like to suffer and be wounded in some way because of some cross that maybe we chose or maybe we didn't. Like I said, the answer is always through love and the cross always, always comes back to love, loving God and loving others. JP2 says, love is the condition for following Jesus, right? For being his disciple, but it is the sacrifice that is the proof of that love. And what's the sacrifice when we carry our crosses? The sacrifice is our will, but that's only when it's in opposition with the Father's will. When we are in the Father's will, We choose to love him and we also choose to love our neighbor, right? You are benefiting the whole world when you follow God's will, when you embrace the crosses that you have chosen and the crosses that are in your life 
that you have not chosen that are undesirable and sometimes unavoidable. Now, the cross is a beautiful mystery of our faith, and we should remember it every time, every time that we make the cross. And how many times a day do you make the sign of the cross? You know, when you're saying prayers before meals or throughout the day, right? So many times. Okay, so that reminds me of this thing that Ronald Knox said. Ronald Knox is an old-time Catholic priest and author from like the 20s. He said this about making the sign of the cross, and I want you to remember this. The first two gestures form the letter I, you know, when we say father and son, and the next two cross it out. That's what the cross of Jesus meant and means. The path of discipleship is the path of self-sacrificing love. So later on today, when you say your prayers, you make that sign of the cross, remember that you are crossing out that letter I. So I hope that this episode has given you a little bit more strength to persevere in carrying your crosses, both the chosen and the undesired, unavoidable ones. And when you do, when you carry those crosses, you will be transformed by Christ and you will definitely be transforming the world in the process. If you liked this topic of discipleship, which is related to carrying the cross, you might want to listen to an episode I released recently called, Are You an Intentional Disciple? It's very closely linked. When you listen to them, you'll see how one in, in one episode infers the other, okay? Now, the link for that show is down in your show notes, so go ahead and listen to that one after this if you're interested in learning more about discipleship. All right, my friend, it has been real. And once again, my name is Rochelle Lucero with Clumsy Theosis, and you can find me online at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Clumsy Theosis. Also at my website, clumsytheosis.net. And one more quick reminder, don't forget about all those links I put down in the show notes for you to make your life better and easier. Okay, until next week, my friend, peace out. Thank you for tuning in to Clumsy Theosis. I'm so happy that you've been able to hang out. If you want to learn more about Clumsy Theosis, you are more than welcome to visit my website, clumsytheosis.net. From clumsytheosis.net, you will also be able to contact me if you're interested in booking me as a speaker or if you're just feeling generous and you'd like to make a donation. Remember that together we can transform the world by letting the Lord transform us.